passages of Scripture, Psalm 121. I want to read this section, and then we need to pray for Israel. As always mentioned, uh, if you want to know what can I do, what can, how can I have an effect, how can I stand for Israel, uh, you can stand by going to a crisis fund that we're going to send money to uh, next Sunday. So bring your offering next Sunday, and we're going to send that to Israel and say we're standing with you. And already, Bridges for Peace has already uh, provided uh, crisis counselors. People lost their homes, their loved ones, children, captive, all that stuff. Just needs a touch from Jesus, and they're able to do that in the name of the Lord. So uh, just remember that. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Let me read that again. He who is watching over Israel is not asleep. He's not dozing off someplace in the universe. Those are his people, his land, his scriptures, that are, his promises that are being fulfilled for them. He will neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 5. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not burn you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the promises of Scripture that you are awake. You're alive. We sung that, Lord Jesus, that we celebrate your resurrection life. But Lord, right now I know that you're awake and you're watching over your people. We pray that you would uh, protect them, protect the IDF soldiers, protect those that are uh, cleaning out the wickedness and the, uh, all the uh, armament and bombs and all those things that are there. And Lord, we pray that all of the, those that have been kidnapped would be released. We pray, the Lord, that wickedness would be stopped. Because this is not a natural war, this is a spiritual war. We pray against darkness, the darkness of the enemy, uh, Satan's tactics to destroy God's people and God's land and God's word. So we're standing upon your promises and your word. Bless your people today. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we pray that your will would be accomplished and your name exalted in all the earth, in, including our own country, Lord. And we pray and ask this. And we're trusting you to see more and more of your hand demonstrated in this. In Jesus' name, and amen. 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 I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Turn, turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, chapter 2. Um, uh, last week, I came, had just arrived from Mexico, and I just filled your brain with everything I taught for the week before. And I know that there's a lot of stuff I gave, and I'm sure you didn't get it all, and I'm sorry that if I uh, just did all that stuff, but I had to get it out, and there it was. But the, the emphasis of all that and what is on my heart today is that we really do know our God, that we understand what Jesus Christ has done for us. Uh, many people around the world here in another couple of weeks are going to be celebrating his birth, but believe me, as miraculous as his birth was, the power of God was demonstrated when he gave up his will and said, Father, your will be done, not mine. And I'm willing to go to the cross. I'm willing to pay the price. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. 
that is powerful. I think we need to have our antenna tuned to that. I know antenna is a funny word because we all have Wi-Fi now. When I was a kid, antenna, rabbit ears. Anybody remember rabbit ears? You guys are old for crying out loud. You're too old. Rabbit ears for all of you Wi-Fi people today. It has a little thing on top of the television with two wires up. You put uh, all kinds of stuff. Put tin foil on it. Or if you're one of the children, dad would say, go up there and adjust it and hold it there. But dad, I want to watch the program. Don't you move. <laughs> How many remember that story? Yeah, look at all the people. Okay, don't move. Why? You're trying to get the best reception here. We're trying to get it, and uh, don't move. And, I mean, just it was, it was what we had, okay? It was exciting. It was black and white television, this big. And, then, and it went off at 6 o'clock, or the sun went down and couldn't do it. Anyway, the, the matter of, of our antenna, I mean, we have got to understand and get our, quote, antenna to understand that our God is a great God and that he has given us everything in his son, Jesus Christ. Everything has been done that way. Everything. God has left nothing out concerning you or me. All those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You, you, and then that salvation of, of him redeeming you, uh, atonement, all those big words. I won't go again like I did last week. All those big words. But all they are is to say, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. And whosoever would believe in him will not perish, will not perish, but have everlasting life. Confronted by uh, early morning Thursday by Katie's death. Uh, listen, absent from body, present of the Lord. She's gone. Instantly gone. Body's still here. She's in the presence of the Lord. And someone made comment to me, I forget who it was, they said one of the things that Katie always wanted to do was dance. But her tradition and her body and all that stuff would never allow her to do it. Maybe she did it on the inside. But I guarantee you this, when she got in the presence of Jesus, she broke out. And she danced. And is probably still dancing in eternity. Why? Because in her heart, as we knew her and some of you remember this, in her heart was a creative part of her that said, I want to worship my God. And without the restraint of body and tradition and people looking at you and all that kind of stuff, there's something in us produced by the Holy Spirit within us to worship our God. I remember years ago, we were up in the original uh, sanctuary upstairs, and um, when I became the pastor here, I was a bit of an iconoclastic individual. You know what iconoclast? Anyway, big word. What it means, you're going to break every tradition. Forget the tradition. So I cha changed all the chairs into a circle. I think I've told you that. I, we had chairs, no pews. And so I stood in the middle of the, of the chapel, put all these chairs around, so everybody sort of looking at each other, and I would preach like this, and then I would unwind and preach back like this, and I'm getting dizzy, <laughs> but, uh, but they're just, okay, we're worshiping God one Sunday, and one of the gals said, I'm learning how to, I I'm just want to break out. I want to worship God. And she said, one Sunday, she said, I'm going to do it. So she began by saying, Lord, I want to lift my hands to you. Put two hands up. Lord, I want to lift them to you. I'm going to give you praise. And so she could, she's working. She's working. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Hands are, uh, hand, I've told this story, so you remember. But anyway, her hands are lifted up. And then she got them up so they're at shoulder height. And she said, Lord, you're worthy of my praise. You're worthy of my praise. And then she got them up about this high and opened her eyes. And then right across from about six feet away is someone just staring at her. And then she went. 
She said, I couldn't keep them up. I couldn't keep She said, Pastor, don't change this seating arrangement until I get over that. That I can look at you right in the eye and lift my hands and say, my God is an awesome God, and I will praise him with all my heart and all my voice. I will give him glory, and I don't care what you think about it. How about that? Anybody in favor of that? Three or four of you. That's good. The rest of you get with the program. We're going to worship God. All right. Go to Colossians 2. You should be there. I want to, I'm going to give three parts to this um, because the first one, I want you to understand that when Paul's writing to a group of people, he is writing things that are not just because he wants to write them. They're words by the Holy Spirit written to a group of people who are facing a culture and facing a world that doesn't believe in God. They don't believe in the Lord Jesus. They don't believe they have their Roman ideologies, their idols, their Greek thinking, all that kind of stuff. And he said, you've got to be careful of what's going on here. And I want to warn I want to talk to you about those things. And we've looked through chapter 1, powerful. And now in chapter 2, I'll read the first seven verses of that. So follow along. Paul said, well, back up to verse 29 of chapter 1. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, which is about a city 15 miles up, up river for them. So it's the two cities, Laodicea and Colossae. And for all who have not met me personally. Verse 2. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures and of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Even though I'm absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then... Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanks, thankfulness, with thankfulness. Paul said, I want to give you the why of what I'm doing, the root of my motivation, why I'm writing to you, and my concern for you. I don't want you to have any doubt of what I'm doing. I'm going to give you the why of what I am saying to you. This is why I am doing this. You know, far too often we as Americans, at least in our Western culture, have become very skeptical of people who are teachers or people who are preachers or people who are uh, uh, giving forth of the Word of God. We're a little bit skeptical. What's your motive? Why are you doing what you're doing? And... Uh, too often, we've learned from, uh, you know, either books, people, speakers, uh, podcasts and stuff. What are you doing this for? Are you in it for the money? Because far too often it says, uh, at the end of the teaching, whatever, it say for, okay, 1995 and 150 easy payments of 1995, I'll send you my tapes. By the way, that's my new thing for the new year. No, no, I'm not going to do that. I won't do that, I promise. But we think people are using us. And that's a, a legitimate skepticism. We want to be careful of what you're listening to and so forth. They're, 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 uh, they're just doing stuff, and so we question. Paul said, verse 3, my goal, I've got a goal. 
I got a motivation of what I'm going to tell you and why this is important. In fact, up in verse 24, he said, now rejoice in what I am suffering for you. He said, I'm going through some hard times. Remember, he wrote this while he's in prison. And he said, I want you to know what I'm doing. I'm suffering. Verse 29 we read, he's, I, I am strenuously working, contending for you. Well, all the energy I don't have, but God's given me energy to do this. Why am I doing I have a goal. I'm working this. I'm working hard for you. Why, he said, this is my goal, is that you may be encouraged in heart. He said, my heart for you is for your heart. Everything within me, encouraged in heart. I want you to be filled with courage in the time in which you're living, in the city that you're living, in the, in the culture that's around you. I want you to have courage. I'm filling you with encouragement of heart to face everything that comes at you. Church, I want you to hear this. Is, this, no, this is not December. It's November. <laughs> I don't know where I am. November 26, 2023, be encouraged in heart. That message has not changed for a thousand years. God says, I want to be your encourager. And Paul said, I'm preaching this, I'm teaching, I'm writing it to you so that you can have courage in your heart to stand in the times that you're living in right here. There's a prophecy given over the, uh, uh, the tribes of Israel by Moses, and he gets to one of the tribes of Asher, and I've always loved this one. In the end of Deuteronomy, it talks about as he's blessing each one and speaking over them. To Asher, he said, as your days, so shall your strength be. I want to address the, the fear that we get into that says, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to face. I don't know what my future is. Listen, as your, your strength will be as your days are. In other words, if God gives you today, he will give you the strength for today and for the next day and for the next day. We try to buy into the whole thing all at one price. You know, I want it all. And he said, no, I'll give it for you today. As your days, so shall your strength be. When I was in Mexico, there was a little baby in the back of the room. A, little, a young couple had a little two, three-month-old baby, and that baby knew how to use its lungs. And it was crying a lot, and they would take it out, cry. I could hear it out in the, the, the other area, and they bring it in, still crying and so forth. I remember when our boys were raising kids, and people would say, how can you have a child in this time? Don't you know what's going on? How could you bring another child in the world? Don't you know what they're going to face? Listen, every generation has faced that question. And I'm telling you that God has your days, and when children are born into it, and you're born into it, and you're here right now, God has everything you need, and you need to be encouraged in heart about that. He's your encourager. Paul said, I want to write to you. I want to give you encouragement because in heart, I want your heart, your seat of emotion, everything that moves in your heart, your emotions, your affections, your passions, your love, your grief, your courage, everything in your heart, your, that inner person of you, and someone called your heart your control center. It's where your mind, emotions, will function out of. That's what it's there, the outflow of your heart. And please understand, it's not your heart, it's just emotions. It's your thought processes, your choices. Be encouraged in your heart. Now, please note that Paul didn't say, I want you to be prosperous. I want you to have a new Cadillac. Oh, they didn't sell Cadillacs in those days. You can have a, maybe you could have a two-horse wagon instead of a one-horse wagon. He didn't say any of that. 
He didn't say, I want you to be dressed in finery. I want you to have everything you ever wanted in life. That's what I want you to have. He didn't say those words. Far too often we establish the encouragement I can have when I have a bigger house, when I have another car, when I have a better job, when I have, when I have, what I have. That is not going to satisfy your heart. There's only one that's going to satisfy your heart, and that's the Lord Jesus. And he said, I want to be, you to be encouraged in that location, in your heart. Go deeper, in your heart. And that's where satisfaction comes in. That's where courage comes from. Because believe me, when you look out a little bit farther away from your body and your heart, you're looking out here and said, oh, no, we're going to go to coin, Bitcoin and this. They're going to take our money away. They're going to do this. Gas is going to go electric. I, I don't know. Ah. You just stop. God's going to fill you up inside. He's going to give you what you need. And Paul said, my motivation to tell you about Jesus is that he is all you need. Trust in him. Walk in him. Second thing he says is not only that. He said, encouraged in heart and united in love. Now, it's almost that he moves from the, the heart, individual heart and collective heart, I guess. But he said, now, you need to be united in love. And he begins to address the body of Christ. Us, people, church, ecclesia, the gathering of God's people. He said, I want you all to be united in love. A love that's active. One that is going to portray the, the love of God, the, the selflessness, self-giving, that choice of devotion, that moving that way. Again, I'm talking to, I'm, Paul's written, writing to a people, same thing. We live in a time when the call is not to love each other, it's to love yourself. You be happy. Use people to the place where you get whatever think you love you think you need. But don't be a giver of love. Just receive that. Whatever word that is, you see. He said, I need you to be united in love. Let's look at a couple of verses. Let's go to and keep something in there so we can come back. But 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. Verse 16. This is so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. The love of God. That's the love he's talking about. You might be knighted in God's love. A love that isn't about, please understand this word, that we all look conformity, uniformity, that we all look the same. We all look like little robots. We all walk the same, look the same, dress the same. We're all functioning that way. That's not what he's talking about, united in love. He's talking about, again, a heart issue that comes from the heart. God is love. He loves, lives, lives within us. If there's something that happens that I can move in compassion towards one another, loving one another, that, that inside-out kind of love that's going after, love that, that uh, defends against lies and against untruth and injury and all that kind of stuff. And out of this encouragement and love that they have for one another, they begin to move. He said, you're going to move into some wisdom. You're going to move into some understanding. That's why we need each other. We need each other. Turn to the person beside you and said, I need you. Oh, you don't believe that, huh? Okay. Church, be united in love. We need each other. Did I hear somebody said, I need 20 bucks? That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> 
I need 20 bucks for life. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that when I say I need you, is I, also, I, I need what you have to offer. I don't look like you. You don't look like me. But God has gifted you. God has created you. You're part of the body of Christ. I'm part of the body of Christ. We need each other. And then together, as you're being united in his love for each other, then we function as the body of Christ, which is an active word. And then we begin to move into understanding. The understanding that he looked at, he said, he said, so that they might have full riches of complete understanding in order they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, his first thing he says, I got to get you the motivation why I'm doing this. I'm doing this in order that you might be encouraged in your heart. You might have, that you might be united in your love for one another. You know, Jesus, he said, I want this to happen. Jesus said, I want you to love one another. God is love. In him is love. Everything comes from the Father. And I am, as his son, I'm telling you what the Father says. And I want you to love each other. Look, uh, again, go back to the Gospel of John. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Jesus is talking to his disciples just prior to his going to the cross. John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 is all just hours before he heads to the cross, the garden and the temptation in the garden and all that stuff that happened into the cross. But in John 13, he says to his disciples, verse 33, my children, I'll be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you can't come. He's not talking future about heaven and, and, and being with him for eternity. He's just saying, I've got to go through, through some things, and you can't walk with me through it. I've got to go alone, is basically what he's saying. Verse 34, a new command I give you. Now, Jesus has authority to issue a new command. Up to this point in uh, biblical history, it was the Torah, the Ten Commandments, the laws of God. They obeyed by the laws of God, the Tanakh, and all the things. They re- and here's Jesus with his disciples. He said, I'm going to give you something new. This is something you probably haven't heard before or understood before, but I'm going to give it to you because you need to know this. You need to know what it means. You need to walk this out. And what does he say? Love one another. And it isn't just a command that says you love each other. He said, as I have loved you. He said, I'm the model. I'm, I'm the example. You must love. So you, as I've loved you, you must love one another. And then he gives this qualifier. And then he said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you criticize and judge and speak against that church down the street. And if you look at that believer over there and say, I don't like how they live. I don't like the music they listen to. I don't like how they dress. Then they'll know you're my disciples. Is that what he says? No. But how do we live? We're very critical of each other, you know. Well, I don't like that church because they're this. Do you know them? Have you ever met them? One of the things I really appreciate about Love Akron early on in its years is I got to know pastors all over the city. 
Guys that I thought I would never like. Guys that I thought, well, they're that, they're that people. They're, and I found out that they were men and women who just simply loved the same Jesus I did. We're going to end up at the same place, at his feet, on our face, worship. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I learned we've got to stop hacking at each other. I'm thankful this congregation, I think we love each other. Please say you do. If you don't feel loved, just let somebody hit you. for It'll, it'll work out. Now listen. Jesus' heart is in you and your loving of one another. It's an important word. It's really an important word. Because Paul said, I need you to be encouraged in heart, united in love, and in order that you can understand me. You can understand who I am. You can understand all that I've given you. And the second thing he says, verse 4, he said, I tell you, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. He said, I've got to give you a warning. The reason I'm doing this is I want to warn you that deception is going to come in all kinds of ways, and one of those is going to be pretty good-sounding stuff. The arguments you're going to hear are going to try to make sense. And you're going to hear those, and you say, you know, that's, that's, that's really good right there. I think that's true. But it's a deception. He said, you need to, church, be on the alert that someone may try to deceive you by very fine-sounding arguments. They can do that. It comes in all kinds of ways. It, it, it'll trip you up. It'll appeal to your intellect and your experience. Another verse in, in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17, because I've had, had that experience before in all kinds of different ways. But Proverbs 18, verse 17 says this. In a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. We've all seen that in the courtroom. That when the, when the first person comes and speaks, you think this is one of the saints of God that's sitting on there, falsely accused for everything until someone comes and the prosecutor comes and said, but what about this? And what about that? I was on jury duty earlier this year and I saw it, I saw it worked out. The first one who spoke sounded, that's absolutely right. Let's vote right now. I know my, vo I know my vote. And then the other uh, side got up and spoke, and I said, well, wait a minute. They didn't know. No. And then you go back and forth. Why? You're trying to find truth. Okay, this is what he's saying. You've got to be careful of this. In Israel, Judges chapter 21, verse 25, it says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You see, the appeal to deception is going to make you think that you're smarter than the average bear, and you're going to be right in your own eyes. You don't want examination. One of the things that just is astounding me in this day is how much lying is going on in our media and around our country, lies that are bold-faced lies, and they will not receive a cross-examination. You're, you're this, you're that. We don't want to hear that. And they're lying. You have to be aware, church, that people can say things that are going to, and, and people are doing it today from the pulpits, 
They're saying this is true. The Bible doesn't mean that. The Bible's for this. The Bible's not for that. And they're just, it's just astounding to me because it all sounds good until it's examined in light of the scriptures, until it's examined there, the things that are happening. Truth and error are maybe, maybe made to look the same, but one of those things is a counterfeit. I thought of a couple of things. We're so easily suckered into things. Have you ever seen something that's made out of plastic that looks like it's metal? And you would guarantee it's metal until you scratch and find out it's nothing but plastic? This is guaranteed. Stainless steel, whatever you It's plastic. I was duped again. Flowers that look like flowers, feel like flowers, don't smell like flowers because they're silk. But they're fake. We all know what the real looks like, I hope. But some of the... How about a leather? Leather is sometimes made to, to look like real leather, but it's that new vinyl stuff. These are leather seats. No, they're not. They're vinyl seats. Made to look like leather, feel good, but they're not. The See, it's all around you, things that are presented as something that they're not. But when you get into the truth of the Word of God, you've got to understand that you need to know God's truth. And let me give you another one, 2 Timothy chapter. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3 and 4. Paul writes to, to Timothy, the young preacher, and he said, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Talked to a relative of mine at Thanksgiving Day and uh, live in another part of the state, and they're attending um, a denominational church. I said, didn't that church just have a lot of difficulty? And he said, oh, yeah. We're not part of that denomination anymore because they have lied about the scriptures, and we're not going to do that. And I said, did I read properly that over 6,000 churches have left that particular denomination? He said, oh, yeah. Because the higher-ups want something that's not the Bible. And we're not going along with that. So I was proud of him. I said, thank you that you're following the word of God. It's important that we understand. And Paul's warning them, watch out for this stuff. Go to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 5. This is where we are. We've, Paul said, I want you to be careful about being deceived. But Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Discernment is a powerful word that we need to, to function in today. We have to understand what God is up to. We have to be in his word. We have to test things. We have to understand looking to Jesus, watching out, walking in truth. The scripture says to try the spirits, test them to see if they're of God. Examine those thoughts that are coming at you. Guard your heart. You see, God doesn't want his people to muddle around in lies and deceit. But guess what your enemy functions in? Lies and deceit. So if we're part of the, of the kingdom of, of God, the kingdom of light, it's not dark, it's light. So 
How do I protect myself? I get in the word of God and I look at it and I test everything I hear according to what God says. Paul says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. And finally, he says this. For though I'm absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit. And delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. He said, I'm delighted. I have joy in my heart because what I'm seeing in you, now granted, he's, he's up in Rome in a prison cell, but he's hearing the word and he's seeing stuff. He said, tell me more. Okay, I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it. I'm, still, I'm looking at the church, I'm looking at people and what I see in you is discipline and I'm seeing in you a firm faith. You are stable. He said, I've analyzed this thing. I've seen your behavior. I've seen your character. And they're disciplined. What a great word. Discipline. None of us like it. But it's a great word. Because the Bible says one of the, one of the marks and fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. That's discipline. Ordered life. It is time to live a life of order, church. It's time to get your ducks in a row. It's time to say, God, I don't want to live in such a floppy mess out here that I'm susceptible to every law that comes along, every error that comes along. Everybody says something. I want to live an ordered life. And Paul looked at that church and he said, I am delighted to see that you are living a life of discipline. You are praying. You are reading the Bible. You're walking in obedience to the Word of God. You're not lazy. You're not sloppy. You're not inconsistent. You're not a bunch of hypocrites who say something on the Sabbath and then live another way throughout the week. You are disciplined, and I like to see that. Paul said, I love you people. He said it from the very beginning. I have joy when I think of you. And so he's telling them again, and then he said, your firmness is in faith. You are stable, and you're not tossed around. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll finish with this scripture. Ephesians chapter 4. When Christ ascended to heaven, he sent and he, and he gave gifts to men. I'm at verse 11. He himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Verse 12, Ephesians 4, 12. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now listen to this. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth in the waves, blown here and there by every wind of fine-sounding teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, we're speaking the truth in love, and we're going to grow to become in every respect the mature body of Christ who's the head, that, or the body of him who is the head, that is Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'm not even scratching the surface of what it means, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm thinking about tomorrow morning at uh, Katie's funeral service. And all I can think of is when she accepted Christ as her Savior, she was given a promise, a promise by God. I don't know how long 
decades ago. The promise of everlasting life and given a hope of glory. A hope of entering into the presence of Jesus. Every one of us as believers today should walk in Christ in you. The hope of glory. The blessed hope is ours. We have a reason to be alive. We have an end to this thing that's going to be with him forever. And the challenge for us right now is you need to be encouraged in your heart. Unite in your love. Be careful about the deception around you. And let your light be looked at by somebody else and said, they're disciplined. Their faith is firm. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Jesus is the one who paid it all for us. Worship team, can you guys come as we just worship him, open our hearts. There's no other God like our God. Just stand today. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you might cover over us with truth and power that we might be lovers of God and lovers of one another. But Lord, that we would walk in wisdom. Lord, we understand these days. Lord, we're not afraid of those because you are with us. You are in us in all of your fullness. And what a mystery that is. What a treasure that is. We give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Worship Him. God's with us. Worship Him, church. truth and error and walk in strength. Father God, by your Holy Spirit, 
disciplined. May we be disciplined and stable. What a powerful, wonderful God you are. Just worship Him. Thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing it together as we close this one. Receive it. Bless the Lord. place this morning, built up by your word, challenged, and we go in the power of your Holy Spirit to demonstrate to the world that we're your disciples by our love for one another, but also with boldness to confront the darkness and declare the life of Jesus into those hearts that need a Savior, and the world does, Lord, so we want to take you out to the world, so we give you thanks this morning, bless each one, and we've been blessed in the beginning. We bless at the end, Lord. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Remember the gift if you'd like to do uh, uh, to Linden. So. the same.